As part of our constant mission to promote creativity, we are really excited to announce our creative resource page. Yes, it's chock full of all the resources we use to make our lives easier when we write and promote, and in general, creative tools for creatives. We even have some really helpful and cool books for you right there on the website. Absolutely. You know, if you have a chance, check it out at thoughtrow.com. That's our website. And hit the creative resource page in the menu. You'll really like what you see. Hi, everyone. Hope you've been having a wonderfully creative week. I'm Rod Jones, and we celebrate what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice so you can learn and be motivated from their life's experiences. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to Thought Row Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and we focus on sharing with everyone how they can think, be, and live more creatively. Okay, Angie, tell us who our guest is today. Actually, we're going to have two guests today, and they're a creative couple, Sherry Carver and Jerry Ratch. Sherry is a photographer and a photo-based mixed media artist, and Jerry is a poet and a writer that has published 18 books of poetry and seven books of prose. I think we have some seriously talented guests on today. This is one of those episodes where you can really hear how a husband and a wife live in concert with their individual creativity, the things they do Mm, best. Definitely. But first, let's go with a quote that motivates us. Okay. Well, here is the quote for this episode. And here's the quote. Ideally, couples need three lives, one for him one for her, and one for them together. And that quote is by Jacqueline Bissett. Do you remember her? She's so pretty. She's so beautiful. Actress, right? Mm -hmm. Actress. Very talented. Mm -hmm. That's really a good one. And it's extremely reflective of who we're having as our guest today, I might add. I think that resonates with you and I also, right? I think that definitely resonates with us. And I'm really excited to hear what Sherry Carver and Jerry Ratch has to say. So let's move on to our interview. Okay, good. Hi, Sherry and Jerry, creative couple. You both are really creative, living the creative life. Welcome to the Thought Row podcast. Yes. Hi, Sherry and Jerry. We always enjoy chatting with couples that support each other creatively. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Rod and Inchi. And we are really honored to be on your podcast. So yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Well, we're really happy to yeah, have you. Yeah, we're so happy to have you and looking forward to hearing what you have to say. But before we get uh, started on the interview today, we always ask our guests what they had for breakfast. So what did you guys have this morning? Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> Unanimous. We assume okay. you had a shared breakfast, right? You both ate together. Uh, well, I get up earlier, so me, with me it was coffee and then oatmeal, and then she gets up and does the same thing. Yeah, but oh, okay. he's, he's the early bird, I'm not. No, I understand that you're kind of on the same schedule that Rod and I are, too. Rod gets up super early and um, has his tea, and then I get up a little bit later. So, yeah, yeah same same schedule. So why don't you guys tell us where you're originally from and where you grew up, and how about we start with you, Sherry? 
Uh, well, I was born and raised in Chicago, as you can probably tell from my accent. Yeah, that's uh, a accent. Yeah, I lived there until I went away to college. And coincidentally, Jerry is also from Chicago. But uh, I'm from the city, and I'll let him talk now. And I'm from one of the western suburbs where uh, the Ovaltine factory was. Oh. Oh, really? How cool. Villa Park, it's called. No parks in Villa Park, by the way. <laughs> but, but we met out here. Coincidentally, we met here in Oakland, California. Oh, that's really interesting. So it took you coming to Oakland to meet each other. Yes. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's so wild. She picked at a cafe. <laughs> you know, we often, when we interview people, we always find out that their desire to do something creatively started at a very young age. How about Jerry? When did you, how old were you when you started to think about writing? I was, I think, 19 and I got dumped by my first girlfriend and I was just a mess and I just started writing. I started hearing I heard noises on the street. I heard stuff that I wasn't ever paying attention to before. Mm -hmm. And I had read an article about Ernest Hemingway. I think it was in Playboy magazine. And that just sort of set me going. And it helped me uh, recover my sensibilities. But I was, uh, that's what started me off. That's interesting because a lot of writers discovered writing through self-therapy they thought you know that therapy. therapy and also it's really interesting a lot of writers start because of some incident in their life like it can be emotional or it can even be physical like with um jason that oh, yeah. we talked to yeah so it's really interesting that it took you having this kind of crummy relationship to motivate you to write you need to send yeah. her a letter and tell her how yeah, thankful thank you. you are thank you Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I know where she is. Yeah, right. <laughs> how about you, Sherry? Yeah, what, what did, what, what are you, how did you start thinking about creativity? There was talking about a young age now. When What were your early yeah. thoughts? My early years, uh, I started very young because I was an only child, and those winters in Chicago are long. And so I would get stuff like my dad was a, a tailor, and we had little bits of fabric in the house, and my mother worked for a company that made the little color paint chips and she would bring them home, you know, extra ones and I would cut them apart and, and I always joke I was probably the only five year old that knew uh, what the color aubergine or <laughs> you know, and so I, I started very early and then went on to take kids classes at the Art Institute of Chicago on Saturday mornings, so yeah, I started pretty early but then I got sidetracked in college so... <laughs> Well, you know, you had to live a little life, right? Yes. And and so then in college, I did not do too much. I was a sociology major, actually. Uh, but senior year, I discovered ceramics, and that totally changed my life and brought me right back uh, into the art again. So that was good. Yeah, I'll say. Well, you know, that's really interesting. Now, you mentioned earlier about how you met jerry here on the west coast so you met were you still in college or tell us a little bit about that no no i no i had moved out here actually i had a teaching job first at san diego state i was teaching college level ceramics Mm -hmm. and uh, i came out to california and he came out you know years before uh but yeah we met in a cafe and he was carrying these big books I thought they were like, you know, art history books, and he was a professor or something. Uh-huh. But he was a writer. And- I was writing poems based on uh, 
impressionist paintings, that kind of thing. And uh, we were sort of eyeing each other across the cafe. But then I walked out of the cafe and she stopped me and said, what's that you're reading? So that's how it all started. And then it turned out, you know, we had all this stuff in common about Chicago. So mm-hmm. the rest is history. Wow, that's kind of interesting really cool. that you did have something in common. You're both in the same state same and city. State, yeah. Yeah, it was meant to be. I guess so. So at that point, Jerry was telling you that he was a writer and you were telling him that you were an artist. I could tell that she was an artist because she was drawing in a notebook. In those days. In those days. <laughs> and I knew that she wasn't a writer because, you know, it just takes way longer to draw. And I was not ever interested in hooking up with a writer. Writers don't like writers, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe too much competition, huh, at that point. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I knew that she was probably drawing as she was an artist, at least. Mm-hmm. So- out. <laughs> yeah, that's for lovely. sure. You know, because you both are very talented in your own right, which is that's really kind of special. And it's you're an artist, Sherry. And why don't we start with you, Sherry? Tell us a little bit about what you do artistically now, and then we'll ask Jerry the same question. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have usually a couple different series going at the same time. The one I'm working on right now is actually probably the most collaborative one with Jerry and that during COVID, we started doing a lot of jigsaw puzzles uh, together and then Jerry really got into doing it and that gave me the idea to have, you know, my own images made into puzzles because when he was putting them together, I would see them when they were like half done Mm -hmm. or three quarters done and they looked really interesting, unfinished. So I started doing that with my own work, and Jerry puts them together, and then I take them apart and um, paint, and I do a little bit of text on them as well. I photograph in public places like Grand Central Station and Metropolitan Museum. A lot of my you know, photos are in New York for some reason, yeah. um, and they're really about people and crowds and how do we stand out from the crowd. And I write little narrative stories, totally made up. I don't ever interview anyone. I write them on a few of the people, sort of to give them a voice, because we each have a story to tell. And um, Jerry does not do the writing, even though people think he writes them. But he will help me. Like, I might say, oh, I, I can't say anything funny. I've lost my funny. And then... He'll come up with some funny word or statement. Or not. Or not. <laughs> but with those. And so my work is all sort of interrelated about people, about crowds. Uh, this recent work, as I was saying about the jigsaw puzzles, is about missing pieces of the puzzle. And what are we missing, especially during COVID? We're missing uh, family, seeing family and friends. We're missing travel. We're missed connections. And so on. So um, all the work is really interrelated. I have other photo series, but you know, I won't even go into all that. Um, but anyway, Jerry, your turn. I, <laughs> I've been writing mostly poetry. Altogether, I've got 18 books of poems mm-hmm. that we've published and seven books of prose. The Mostly I work on poetry. I go through my old notebooks and draw out a few lines that I like and then recompose poems from the, you know, material that I had in the past. It's a difficult process. It never gets easy for some reason. Hmm. It'd be nice if it did. 
but it doesn't come to me all in a flash anymore like mm-hmm. it used to when I was younger. So I have to work harder at it to compose these poems. And then when I have a good enough manuscript, then we put a book together and put it out. So I'm I'm kind of the editor, so I don't write any of the poems, but I'll read them. And then I can usually like pinpoint a word maybe that jumps out or a statement or I'll say, oh, maybe switch the second paragraph with the first paragraph, you mm-hmm. know, stanza. So in that sense, we collaborate. Yeah, she's a great editor. That's unusual. No, I'm actually a terrible editor because I give away his books for free. <laughs> <laughs> that's a publisher. My that's publisher a, is a publisher. Yeah. That's so nice that you, uh, you're able to work that way collaboratively and be a contributor to each other's creativity. Well, we kind of do that to each other, too. Yeah, we do, yeah, but and, I really appreciate that. When I that. write, it, Angie edits my stuff. And, and vice versa. And when... She writes, she still edits her stuff. So <laughs> No, you help me too. But wow, that's really great. You know, I, this is kind of something that I know Angie and I could relate to because we've, we've been working together for a long time. And people often ask us, how do you work as a couple and being around each other a lot? And how does that work? I want to know, how does that work out for you guys? Because you're obviously around each other quite a bit. I, I think it works out terrific. We have a big place, actually. We About 20-some years ago, we bought the former Rockridge Women's Club, which is quite a, a large building, and we made it into a live workspace. So mm-hmm. I work lower part, which is huge and has 25-foot ceilings, is really big, and Jerry works upstairs in our apartment. At and the dining room table. At the dining room table. As a writer, you know, he can do it anywhere. So we may go for hours where we don't see each other, but then, you know, we get together, of course, for lunch, dinner, uh, and so on. Or I call him all the time, come on down, give me your opinion. Uh, it works out really well. We've always, you know, lived and worked really close together, yeah. haven't we? Works well. Yep. We, we like each other a lot. <laughs> the space sounds fabulous. The space sounds wonderful, but yeah, it it's sounds like... Cool. It's yeah. one of the most astounding buildings you would find. We drove up in front of it when it was on the market. And mm-hmm. We looked at it. We didn't even get in yet. We said, oh, my God, this is it. Yes, oh, it's nice. a pretty interesting building. We even have, I think, 10 parking spaces. And um, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, we work together <laughs> in the same building, but not in the exact same room. Right. See, that's nice. You can just call down or call up whenever you need. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Come on down. Help me out. Once in a while, I'll wander through the studio when she's working, and she'll say, oh, I got to work on this. Leave me alone. (laughs) So I just go back up and disappear, (laughs) and then she'll call me when she needs me. Hey, that sounds really terrific. You know, ask for opinion on colors and so on, composition and whatnot. Right, right. Yeah, so you're very collaborative then. Exactly. She helps you with your writing, and you help her with her art. Exactly. It kind of leads me to my next question, because you both are creative in your own right. How do you support each other when one of you is having one of those, I don't feel like doing it days, or you just feel a little clogged creatively? How do you do that for each other? How do you help? That's a good question. I don't think I actually ever have those days. I mean, I work six weeks a week uh, at the art, and I'm just like always working. And I guess if we really feel that way, we'll just go out and have coffee. <laughs> or we used to. It's hard to go out at a cafe anymore. Yeah, we open. just went out yesterday at a cafe and met an old friend mm-hmm. and enjoyed chatting for a change. Yeah. 
But we hardly ever have those kind of days. You know, I usually have <laughs> deadlines, you know, for a show mm-hmm. or something. And I have found that creativity really likes a deadline. Um, you know, so I just keep right on working. So okay, luckily, that's good I always- Good for you. You know what? I Getting back to Jerry for a second. How about, uh, Jerry, how about you reading one of your poems for us? Yeah, sure. It'd be happy. Great. All right. Yeah. Let me draw this one out. This okay. was So this was called the six second rule. And it was a typical thing. We were in New York. We were at a cafe. We're having coffee. And I watched this couple that are obviously from Europe. And this is how this came about. The six second rule. They come to the new world, but bring the old world with them. The six second rule. When their bagel drops face down on the cafe floor, apparently it's the old world six-second rule that applies instead of our own more modern three-second one. Here, especially if you smeared cream cheese on your bagel and it falls face down, you've only got three seconds to retrieve it and examine whether any schmutz is sticking to it. If not, what the heck? We woof that baby down. But not in Europe. There, things are slower, and you've got a full six seconds, a lifetime more or less, like a lazy afternoon in Ferenc, say, or Berlin, or Amsterdam. No one in a hurry. Six full seconds to pick up the roaches, ants, mouse droppings, toothpicks, and hair, whatever. The tourist picks it up, stares at the surface, checking for obvious lumps, etc. then checks the ground itself to see how much stuff there is covering the floor. Not bad, apparently. Then he laughs and looks at his wife, friend, or lover. She's shaking her head, and he mutters a joke about the six-second rule in any other language but ours. He's going to be kissing her later with that same mouth, and she knows it. And finally, she too laughs. The girl with the pearl earring and mouth full of cream cheese. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's really good. That is so wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, Jerry. What I really like about that the poetry that you just shared with us is I'm very visual because, you know, yeah. we're creative. And I'm sitting here and I'm piecing together each of those images in my mind. And the way you articulated them, you painted the word picture, which forced me to create the visuals to go along with it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very yeah, it's good. very visual. Very visual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Jerry's really good at at really seeing what's around him and, and the people and what they're doing. You know, he's very observant. And I, I do miss, you know, the last couple of years with COVID, I do miss going out to cafes because that's where I get material, you might say, just by watching and overhearing people a little bit and borrowing the stuff that I hear or see them doing. And now, lately, we haven't been able to do that. I've been missing that part of my normal work. Yeah, yeah I can yeah, imagine. I can you, imagine. You, you, you know, That's you, such a big change to your, um, you know, the way that you work, to not be able to so, go out. Like yesterday, we met this friend at the cafe when we went out for a change and it was really enjoyable for a change again to be able to talk away and just chat mm-hmm. and catch up. Feeling a little more normal, normal life. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, you know, Jerry, I know you've published several books and you've written numerous poems. And 
I thought it was really intriguing and very interesting because you spent a lot of time in San Francisco when it was a literary haven. I mean, we all envy you in that respect. Yes. But tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I used to uh, hang out, especially in North Beach, where all the poets hung out. And uh, uh, most of my friends would like drive cabs. And we'd hang out at a bar and drink a beer or two. And they would stop by and jump out of their cab, leaving it double parked in the street, run in, have a beer, and then run back out. Oh, and maybe throw out a few words or lines, you know, of something you're thinking about writing, mm-hmm. and then run right back out and hack another ride. Very typically, a lot of the beat poets hung out in San Francisco, and we would do readings there. I would do readings, and uh, for instance, Michael McClure discovered me at a reading, mm-hmm. and he liked my work, and so that helped sort of boost my career along. In fact, the uh, Bancroft Library at UC Berkeley just took all of my manuscripts, over 50 years of manuscripts, uh, for their collection. I was honored to, for them to do that. That's a huge congratulations. honor. For, that is congratulations. That's a yes. huge honor. And that very rarely happens for writers and right. poets that, that they actually will take your right. uh, life's work, if you will. That's terrific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was nice to unload 18 boxes of material. <laughs> yeah, and they'll have a, a student sit there, go through all of it, catalog it, and, and then turn yeah. it into something special. So then you'll yeah. be able to say, if you want to really delve into my work, head over to the library. That That's Congratulations. Really nice. That's fabulous. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was really honored for that to happen. Well, you know, now I wanted to ask Sherry, I know you had mentioned to us that you taught art. So what did you teach and what was the most profound thing that you learned from your students that impacted and maybe influenced your own creativity? Well, I taught, as I mentioned, college-level ceramics for over 30 years, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though in my own art, um, I kind of evolved away from ceramics about 20 years ago. Uh, and into my photo-based painting. Mm -hmm. For the last, you know, 30 years, I actually taught at a community college in Oakland, California, a Laney College. And I had the opportunity to work with students from ages 19 all the way to 95, a huge range of students from different countries and different ethnicities. And so I think what I learned, you know, from them was more just about people, People in general, I don't know if it was so much about my creativity. Mm -hmm, Right. Pardon me? I said, right, you know, I was just agreeing that's really a profound thing because you do learn from them personally sometimes and not just um, about art. Yeah, exactly. And and in fact, you know, I, I stopped teaching about, I don't know, a year or two before COVID actually, but I'm still in touch with a lot of those students. We even do Zoom meetings every other month to stay in touch. It was really a wonderful and varied group of people. So I was really lucky to have such a good job. Her students absolutely loved it. And I love them. So it, it worked uh, I, out it, well. It, it shows. It shows your creativity and your uh, spirit. That's really pretty nice. So, Jerry, how about reading another one of your poems so I can have all these visions yes. dancing through my head? Okay. This is called Poet Begging on a Train. The subway train pulled up, and I shuffled on board. I announced to the whole subway card, I'm a poet. I know what you're thinking. I bet you winced. But that's not what happened at all. It was like a miracle. Someone got up 
and immediately gave me her seat. People got in an orderly line and began opening their wallets, and dollar bills came fluttering out like moths. One older gentleman offered to buy my book of poems, insisting on paying full price plus tax and added a tip. Someone else gave me her sandwich, another her food stamps. And finally, I struck the mother load of all prizes, way better than some stuffy old Nobel Prize. I was offered a room to sleep at the Walt Whitman Rest Home for Poets, no less. And I realized it had all paid off in spades. And I was set for life as I had always hoped and dreamed and feared. My goodness. That was wonderful. And whenever we were on a train or subway in New York, Mm -hmm. we always would see like a poet or a musician get on and try to perform. And people would always wince. So this is sort of a takeoff on that. But they would also pass the hat and walk up and down the aisle and shake it in front of you and try and make money. Yeah. There are some incredible musicians in New York begging on the on the subway. Uh, Really good people really knew what they were doing. Well, I heard recently that really famous violinist, and I don't remember his name, unfortunately, who went down in the subway and put his little box out so he could collect some money, and he started playing. And he started playing some really major concert pieces that he was known for internationally, known all over the world. And people would walk by, and he made like a dollar fifty or something. Yeah, some low nobody, nobody would pay attention. And it was really pretty. He really wanted to try and see how he would resonate with you know society out in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> well, you know, a good portion of our listeners are pursuing some form of creativity one way or another. After all, we think everyone is creative here at Thought Row. Yes, we do. And as creative couple, what do you think has been the greatest benefit or reward you have derived from living the creative life together? Well, you know, I want to say something about creativity in general. You know, it is wonderful working together, but, you know, it's not all bliss. You know, it's not like I'm painting all day long and having this great time. There's a lot of work involved. You know, I'd say I spend half the day doing the business aspect, creativity, you Mm -hmm. know, sending out stuff, contacting the galleries and so forth. Sometimes uh, Jerry and I are packaging up my work and going to FedEx and I'm just on board. So, you know, it's great being creative and there's a lot of benefits to it, but I don't want to give the impression that it's just fun and games because it's actually really hard work when you're doing it professionally. But the greatest benefit for me is, is having Jerry there to help me and, you know, doing it with me and doing it together. That's what I would say. What would you say, Jerry? Well, when it comes to writing, the only thing I can say is you've got to just keep hacking and hacking and hacking away at it until it works. And it's hard to make those or build those poems into a workable item. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do except just keep chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. It is hard work. It doesn't all come in in like a a hailstorm and drop on you. Once in a blue moon, that will happen out of the out of the blue. But uh, usually, it's just work, 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 and work 
who was it? Andy Warhol said, don't cry, work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense though. It is work. And it's, it's, I, I think a lot of creative people when they start out, maybe think that they, they're going to have this big light bulb or this big luminance moment where it's going to be delivered to your brain and your body and your soul. And it's really not like that at all. You have to work at it. And I really appreciate what you just said. Well, part of the problem too is movies, television, they glamorize being the artist, right? You're the bourgeois artist yeah. and you have hot and cold running everything coming at you. And, and the same with the writer. He sequesters himself, but then he's, you know, he's sitting on a talk show, a national talk show talking about his book with his white Pandora hat on or whatever that is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's a lot of glamour associated with it. But I mean, Sherry, you pointed out one thing that, that we all can relate to. You may be painting 30% of the time if you're lucky. And the rest of the time you're out marketing, trying to sell it. And if you do sell it, you got to prepare it. You got to ship it. You got to worry about insurance. There's a lot of things you have to take into consideration. And, you know, the same thing, if you're a writer, you sit there and you blood, sweat, and tears and get your book or your novel done or your poetry done. And then you spend the rest of your time trying to get somebody to read it or have a publisher pick it up. Mm -hmm. That's where the real challenge is. Creativity is kind of an interesting thing. You can be blessed with creativity, but you definitely need to have the energy and probably more important, the tenacity. The work ethic. Yeah, yeah. the work ethic and the tenacity to get it out there. You both do it. I, I think you I guys could be very, so very good. proud of what you do. And I think the other thing I want to make a comment about is you support each other. That is critically important. Yeah, that's so valuable. Yes, I, I totally agree with what you just said, Rod. And, you know, the, the glamour part happens maybe one night a year when I'm actually at the opening of the show. And it's one night when I get to like put on a dress and heels and uh, and that's maybe a little bit glamorous. And all the rest of the time, it's, you know, blue jeans and sweatshirt and uh, really working. So, yeah, the, the uh, creativity is there, but the glamorous part usually is not. Can I tell you a little tale about one of her pieces? She had a show in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And uh, this couple, uh, wife and uh, man, come up, and he, he had bought one of her pieces. And she confided in a, uh, to us that she was a little bit jealous of the girl in the painting because it reminded him of his first girlfriend. <laughs> I don't even remember that. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how things do that. Yes. Yeah, strange things happen at openings sometimes. <laughs> So if, if Sherry, if you were going to give a compliment to your husband that, and he wasn't in the room, what would you say? And then I'm going to ask the same thing, Jerry, to do for Sherry. So let's start with you, Sherry. Your husband's okay. not in the room and you're going to give him a great compliment. What would you say? Well, I would say that I think he should be voted the poet laureate of the country or at least California. I think he deserves it. I, I think his work is really innovative and wonderful. And he, I'm voting for him for Poet Laureate. That's what I would say. Oh, see, that's perfect. I love it. Support system all the way. Good one. Yeah. And uh, just submit your forms now, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Let's for, vote for, him for in. The voting in. <laughs> 
That's it. So I guess we're now going to no, ask wait, you. No, wait. I want to ask this over the question. Oh, okay. Jerry, I want you to compliment. What would be the thing you would tell people about Sherry when she wasn't in the room? One of the best artists I've seen, we go to a lot of openings and look at a lot of art. She's absolutely one of the best. And this stuff is so complex that people have, I think, no comprehension of what it takes to make it. It's so innovative. I don't see anybody else doing anything like it, this recent work especially, with uh, the puzzles and taking the pieces out and then putting in paint where the pieces are gone. And it's just so innovative and different from what anybody else is doing that people should really pay a lot of attention to this work. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you just briefly a funny story. Jerry did win a contest a while ago as, I don't know, maybe poet, I don't know if it's poet laureate of Oakland, but something here. He won a contest, oh, for the bus station. The bus, for the, the bus, bus station. Right, on the bus. And they wanted to print his poem and put it in all the buses so that people could read it when they're riding the bus. Well, then they ran out of money, and they never did that, but they put his picture up instead of his poems. So then people just recognized him on the street and would just yell out, hey, hi, Jerry. But they never put his actual poems I, up. I, I'd go to a cafe, and, and uh, people would look at me and say, hi, Jerry, I saw your picture on the bus. <laughs> but they, do they associate <laughs> that with you being yeah, with a your poet? poetry. Oh, no. no, they never put the poems on the bus. <laughs> they ran out of money, couldn't do it. <laughs> That's oh, Oakland. my God, darn. Well, you should have had him a business card. I'm Jerry the Poet. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Vote for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. If you, we have a lot of creative people that listen to the show, as you guys are well aware of, and you both are living very creative lives. What piece of advice would you give to people that want to live more creatively, or struggling with their creativity? Let's start with you, Sherry. Well, you know, having been a, a teacher for a long time, you know, I've given a lot of advice to a lot of people about this. You know, if somebody was kind of a beginner or maybe coming back to art after being away from it for a long time, I would suggest they take a class, <laughs> uh, even an online class, because I think that gets, you know, the juices flowing and you get some... Um, assignments maybe, and you get a teacher to bounce ideas off of. Um, so that's what I would say to maybe more beginnerish people and to more advanced people who are artists, maybe have just hit a, um, you know, a stopping point in their work. I would say go back to the last painting or sculpture or print or, you know, whatever it is you did. The last one that you did that really worked for you Maybe it's the last piece you did or something you did, you know, three years ago or 10 years ago. Go back and look at that really carefully and then maybe do 10 variations of it in different sizes or different colors. You know, don't repeat the same piece, but, excuse me, use that as a kind of a, a jumping off point. And I think that really helps to get people going. And then I think something I mentioned earlier is that creativity likes a deadline. So if you can get yourself a deadline like a show or even just open studios, you know, some deadline to work towards, that really helps things get going because, you know, you know you have to do it and, you know, you've got a, a deadline to do it by. And I think that helps, too. It helps me. So that's what I would suggest to people. Very good. That's and very good. Jerry, what would you suggest? The thing that I think is important is to observe life. So in other words, go out to a cafe 
where there's people around living their lives, what they're doing. If you can overhear a little bits and pieces of conversation, it's like stuff out in cafes. You can participate in life and jot down some words, take with you a notebook. Remember the days, notebooks and pens? Remember that? Mm -hmm. I actually see people with actual pens and notebooks again, believe it or not, not their just their iPhones working like a cafe. When I go by and I see people in a cafe, they're actually doing that again. And that, I think, helps get the juices flowing. It's watching what's going on in life around you and then borrowing pieces, bits and pieces that might come to mind when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. It's all about observation. Yeah, right? I was just going to say, observation is everything. I think. Especially for a writer. Well, also for visual arts. Well, photography especially. Yeah, like what Sherry's doing is very, um, very observational, I think. Don't you, Sherry? Yeah, I think photography is really important. I mean, that's really the basis of all all of my work. Um, it you know, really captures a moment at, in time, and then you can kind of go back and look at it and make those changes and whatever, and in Photoshop, love Photoshop. Yeah, really. So. I, I really kind of like what I, I kind of relate more to what Jerry said. I mm-hmm. think observing people, listening into their conversation, mm-hmm. or just witnessing what people do in their everyday lives gives you all kinds of material if you pay attention. Mm-hmm. And even the way they talk, I mean, you can come up with some pretty interesting dialogue just by listening to two people chatting. So, Angie, go for your famous question. Okay, well, so now we're going to ask each of you a question that we've been asking all of our guests. If you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? I thought about this a lot. And even though I like many visual artists, I, the person that I picked was actually a musician, singer, songwriter, and that's Leonard Cohen. I think Leonard Cohen has written so many beautiful songs, like Hallelujah and I'm your man, and everybody knows. I would like to hear from him about his life. And when we were in Montreal a few years ago, we went on a walking tour and actually got to go past uh, Leonard Cohen's house, which was very small and modest. And we saw that film, too. And we saw a a film about his life. And um, he seemed like he was a fascinating and lovely person. So that's who I would pick. Well, that's a good right, choice. That's a very good choice. I, I think he probably, if he were to pick someone, he might have picked Stephen Foster. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. What about you, Jerry? I would choose Ernest Hemingway. He's got me going in writing uh, when I first started. He was uh, a phenomenal writer. He chipped away at it, worked away at it like crazy. You know, put his words together so it all made sense. Uh, he was probably, and uh, like I said, he got me going, sort of brought me back to life, you might say, after I read the article about him in his writing, mm-hmm. uh, when I was just destroyed by this bad love relationship when I was young. So he would be my man. I would enjoy chatting with him. I can see that. He would be an interesting to oh, he would be terribly little, interesting because huh, right? talk about observing life and living life. Hemingway certainly lived a lot. Of, he lived like five lifetimes in one lifetime. He really did. Yeah. And there's a really yeah. great documentary about his life that we watched a few months ago on PBS. It was really it's like a three part series and it really delved into his life. It was very, very interesting. Good choice, yes. uh, Jerry. And I don't think you um, you write longer sentences than he does. 
<laughs> well, I actually wrote a poem about running with the bulls in Spain like he did. Oh, okay. Uh, that was one of my poems that I wrote. I had a friend who actually went there and ran the bulls, and so I wrote a poem about him doing that. Oh, how terrific. Well, you'll have to share that with us at some point. But we've run out of time, unfortunately, and we really appreciate you two sharing yeah, what you do creatively and how you work together. I think that's I think our listeners are going to find that very interesting. And I think it's especially nice that you have a two story building. So one could be upstairs writing and the other can be downstairs painting. And then you can meet in the middle and share how it went the day. <laughs> Yes, that's so true. And, you know, we are so happy uh, that you would interview us. It's really an honor. We love both of your work. And, Inchi, and I have to say, I always enjoy your quote of the day. And I, I have a favorite one I want to share with you. Maybe you've already used it. Uh-huh. But it's by Oscar Wilde when he says, be yourself because everyone else is already taken. Oh, yeah, I love that. Oh, quote. I love that one. Yeah. And I love Oscar Wilde. He's so fabulous. Yeah one of our favorites but really want we both want to thank you both so much this has been wonderful yeah well, it's thank been you. it's been fun for us to interview you Absolutely. guys you're, you're very talented and you're also really really nice people yes Thank you. So, so are much. you. <laughs> Alrighty. Alrighty. Well, we need to let everyone know if you'd like to know more about Sherry Carver and Jerry Ratch, we will have links for them under the show guest tab on thoughtropodcast.com. So everyone can learn more about them and connect with them on social media and check out their website. Yeah, check out their work. They're both very talented. Yeah, you'll love it. You'll love it. All right. Thank you okay, guys thank so you guys. much. Thank you guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Also, if you're enjoying our podcast, both Ron and I would really appreciate you buying us a cup of coffee. Just go to thoughtrow.com, scroll down a bit, and you can find that link right on our website on the homepage. It's really easy to do, by the way. Yes, it is. And all the money we receive goes to our production costs. Yep. And primarily because we want to keep our show commercial free and we want to continue to bring you the best quality content with great guests. That's right. Thank you for listening to Thought Row Podcast. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day.